Good morning. Good morning. And welcome to Naples United Church of Christ. My name is Dawson Taylor, and I have the great privilege of serving as senior minister. And I'm Reverend Angela Wells-Bean, and it's my privilege to serve as your minister for congregational care. And no matter if you're worshiping here in the sanctuary or joining us virtually, we are honored uh, by your presence and grateful to have you with us. And we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to register your attendance. And there should be a, um, a blue attendance pad in your pews. Please make note that you're here with us this morning and pass that along to your neighbors. And if you're worshiping with us online, please make a note in the comments that you're with us this morning and where you're worshiping from so we can extend our radical welcome to you. And if you, uh, speaking of uh, our radical welcome, if you are interested in membership and perhaps are recently new to the congregation or perhaps new to the area, or maybe you've just never taken the opportunity to uh, formally join the church, we want to invite you to a visitor reception following this service in Nelson Hall, which is the next building over through uh, the courtyard. And there will be signs and people directing you that way. It's a great opportunity to meet members of our membership and growth committee. Uh, Angela and I will uh, swing by. Some of our leadership, lay leadership will be there. And so we want to invite you to, to come by and greet uh, one another and have, give us the opportunity to greet you, and, and we hope that you'll uh, take that opportunity. And then following up on that, this coming Tuesday night is an evening with your pastors. It's a monthly event that we have for those who are interested in joining the church, and it's an opportunity to spend an evening with Dawson and I so we can get to know you and you can hear a little bit about the church. And if you're interested in attending that, um, we will need you to RSVP by calling the church office. Or you can just swing by the visitor reception, and that's a great way to do it. Uh, Not that that's a way for a sneaky way for us to have you uh, come by or anything. Um, I also want to give you a wonderful stewardship update. Uh, As you know, we're in the midst of our stewardship uh, campaign, and I just want to thank you again for your amazing generosity and um, and just encourage us as we are now headed toward the last part of this. And that is, as of this past Thursday, we are at uh, $985,496 toward our goal of 1.4 million. So we're about at the 1 million mark. And once we hit the 1 million mark, we know we're just going to be very close uh, to that goal of 1.4. And so uh, the Stewardship Committee, in partnership uh, with our music ministry, uh, has made the deal that if uh, once we hit the million dollar mark, uh, which we hope will be by next Sunday, that uh, if you remember, there's a wonderful uh, song that was uh, created Uh, for the stewardship uh, campaign, and so we will get to hear that again, and so we'd like to do it next Sunday. So uh, if we can get to that one million mark, and I just want to say how remarkable I think it is that the average pledge this year, the average commitment is $4,439, and that is up significantly over last year and up very significantly over the last few years. So again, I just want to say thank you for your remarkable uh, generosity. Again, not surprised by it, but grateful for it nonetheless. Indeed, and now as an intergenerational congregation, let us prepare our hearts and minds for worship. The psalmist writes, Trust in God and do what is good. Live with quiet confidence where God has placed you. 
delight in God's presence and you will have what your heart desires. Commit everything you do to God and trust God completely. And now in that spirit, let us gather in that goodness and in that trust and let us rise in body and spirit and sing our praise to God. And I invite you to join me in our prayer of invocation, which you will find printed in your bulletins. Let us pray together. Gracious and loving God, you call to us across deep waters and dark places. Yours is the light which guides us and the voice which we follow. We pray that you would reveal yourself to us as we gather for worship. May those without hope be encouraged, those who are sad, cheered, those who are seeking, find you. In the name of your beloved child, we pray. Amen. Let us be in a spirit of prayer as I offer this morning's pastoral prayer. You challenge us in myriad ways, O God, but the hardest thing that you might ask of us is that we love our enemies. We know how we'd like to love them. We'd love our enemies to be far away. We'd love them to not compromise our security or threaten us. We'd love our enemies to not scare us or challenge the way we live. We'd love them to be lovable. We'd love for it to be popular to love our enemies. If we're going to do it, we'd love to get credit for it. We'd love for our neighbors to respect us for this good deed. We'd love to be in the news being celebrated for loving our enemies. But then again, if loving our enemies were easy, if it came with accolades, we know that your son Jesus wouldn't have told us that we ought to do it. He wouldn't have cautioned us about the tax collectors and Gentiles who were known for only loving their friends. God of all mercy, you love us even when we treat you like an enemy. You save us through your immeasurable grace. You gave us a gift we did not deserve. And we this morning commit to trying to imitate you by loving those whom we deem almost unlovable. Teach us, O oh God, how to love our enemies. Teach us to wish them the best of the, this life that you intend for each human to have. And then may we pray and act so that these wishes come true. And when our community looks at our congregation and hears our words and sees our deeds, help them to know that you, the God of love, live among us here at Naples United Church of Christ and that they can come here and partner with us on this journey. We tend to complain about how hard this calling is on our lives, but amidst the woe, we know that we must never forget to thank you, even though you call us to do hard things. And so we thank you for our health, for our families, for our security, for our community. We thank you for giving us the choice to love others, including our enemies. Thank you for all the blessings in our lives and thank you for loving us even when we stumble and fall short. May we extend that same grace to our friends and our enemies. We now continue our prayers in the silence of our hearts as we listen to the words your son Jesus taught us. 
This morning's scripture lesson comes from the gospel according to Luke chapter 6, and you're welcome to follow along as the words are printed in your bulletins. But I say to you that listen, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you. And if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies, do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High. For God is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as your parent is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you give will be the measure you get back. May God bless our modern hearing of these ancient words. Will you join your hearts with mine in prayer? Let us pray. 
Loving and gracious God, we continue to give you thanks for the gift of this day. And we ask, O oh God, that in this time of worship, you would speak either through me or in spite of me, but that above all else, we would hear with clarity what it is that you say to us this day. All of this we trust and we ask in your many names. Amen. In congregations and denominations with more traditional, higher liturgy, it is common following the reading of the gospel lesson for the minister who has read the lesson to say, this is the word of the Lord. And the congregation responds, thanks be to God. I have served congregations like this. In fact, the last church that I served is a highly liturgical congregation. And on Sundays where I was assigned to read the gospel lesson, if it was one like what Angela just read, instead of our traditional responsive language, I used to joke with the worship staff that I wanted to look at the congregation and say, are you kidding this morning's reading is full of things that most of us do not want to hear. Love your enemies, forgive those who hurt you, do good and expect nothing in return, and the list goes on and on. Really, Jesus? Are you kidding? It reminds me of being an op in an optical shop a few weeks ago, having my glasses adjusted. I was tired. It had been a long day with a lot of meetings, and in typical fashion, I was attempting to shove one more errand into an already busy evening. There were two technicians in the shop. One was helping me, and one was helping another person. The other person began sharing very loudly, and I would add uninvited, their views about vaccines. Let's just say it's counter to mine. Normally, comments and opinions like that just roll off of my back. But as I mentioned, I was tired and I was anxious to move along. So to distract myself, I began text messaging one of my best friends, I politely put him on notice that I might need bail money because I feared that I was about to make a scene in the middle of this optical shop. He politely reminded me that people typically do not respond well to their pastors being arrested for physical violence and that I should keep my opinions and frustration to myself you will be pleased to know that no incident occurred that day. However, I am willing to wager that I'm not the only person over the last two years who has listened to or put up with opinions for which I did not care to listen. And then Jesus says, do not judge. Are you kidding? 
Perhaps the greatest irony about this text as our lectionary reading is that it was also the lectionary reading 10 days after 9-11. The Twin Towers, Ground Zero, the Pentagon, and a patch where the plane was taken down by passengers were still smoldering. The death count was still being tallied, and Christian churches the world over were reading, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Are you kidding? It's an ugly thing when religion turns violent, is it not? Fanatical Christians who stand outside abortion clinics or protest at gay pride parades. Fanatical Jews who pulverize Palestinian homes built on land that for generations people have been killing children who only throw rocks. Fanatical Muslims using innocent passengers as ammunition for horrendous deaths. Isn't it strange that the three world religions who claim Abraham as their parent all have the same problem? All three religions have spawned ideological fanatics who have somehow forgotten that according to Scripture, Abraham was not allowed to kill Isaac Why? Because a good and gracious God intervened. And I think those of us who claim Christianity are tempted to believe that we are better than or less bad than radical Muslims or Jews, but before any Christian makes those declarations... We must sit down and read the passion narrative in the New Testament, where you will find enough blood and guts to last a lifetime, not to mention the Crusades or the work of the Ku Klux Klan or how the church defended slavery, segregation, and the rights of women. Quite simply, in all of religious history, there is a wide spectrum of human emotion and action. Again and again, we see Holy Scripture being used to feed human hatred because God has often been described through the perspective and the experience of sinful people. And yet, we have our eyes open to understand that violence is not the message of the Quran, nor is it the message of the Bible. In many psalms, the lyric poetry of Isaiah, the patient wisdom of Job, the story of Moses and David, Hannah and Miriam, and in the earth-shattering story of Jesus, we meet a different God. We meet a more mature God who refuses to let death ever be the answer for life. If we get stuck in the primitive Violent portraits of God, we become primitive and violent in our actions. But if we take the entire biblical story and we accept 
the moral and historic evolution of God and God's people, we will learn different ways of responding to evil in the world. The foundation of the Christian answer to evil, hatred, violence, and unspeakable destruction is, believe it or not, love and forgiveness, reconciliation, and restoration. Jesus' words in our reading for this morning confront us amid our divisions, our suspicions, and our brokenness. In this, perhaps his most famous sermon, Jesus calls us to love our enemies, do good to those who hate us, pray for those who abuse, be merciful as our parent in heaven is merciful. My friends, let us remember that what love means in the New Testament It does not mean necessarily affection and respect or warm, fuzzy feelings. No, in the gospel of Jesus Christ, love, agape, is a moral choice. It is an act of will. It's the resolute, gut-based decision to wish the best for the other, no matter what. Love is the decision to find the image of God in the one that we have defined as enemy. And whether we like it or not, whether we understand it or not, love and forgiveness are God's absurd answers to the frustration and the doubt, the fear, and even the anger that we feel. Previously, I worked alongside a colleague who, like me, left the United Methodist Church because of its ban on the ordination of gay, lesbian, and bisexual people. However, in a much different scenario, My colleague was unjustly and unfairly outed by a fellow pastor and told that she had 72 hours to respond to the allegation that she was in a same-sex relationship or she would lose her credentials as a United Methodist pastor and thus her livelihood and so much more. One can only imagine the stress and the anger that this caused my colleague. She ultimately made the decision to leave the United Methodist Church. However, she never spoke to that pastor who forced her out of the closet again. Until... I witnessed a powerful day at Perkins Chapel on the campus of Southern Methodist University. That colleague and I had been invited to lead worship and serve communion to the students at Perkins School of Theology at a midday chapel service. As we finished serving communion that day, I looked over to see the pastor-turned-seminary administrator coming up the center aisle 
in line to receive communion. And he was on track to receive communion from the person whose life he had attempted to destroy. My stomach sank to the floor. And then I watched as my colleague took the piece of bread and dipped it into the juice and hand it to that pastor and say, the gift of God's grace given for you. Are you kidding? Friends, one of the hardest callings of the Christian life is to love our enemies. So go forth and do this as best you are able and be gracious with yourself when you fall short. And may you know that you are a beloved child of God. You are created in God's image and I pray that you go in peace. Amen.